business and bourbon. He looks like a super badass. I'm sure you guys are going to look him up after this. In middle school, I was selling cutouts of Playboy magazine. <laughs> nice. Dead serious. Nice. Every entrepreneur out there is being told, do video, do video, do video. And there's a lot of bad video out there. Yeah. The question is, why aren't you doing video already? And then the conversation gets real. You went to USC film school? No. Nope. I did not go to you, school at all. You went to... I graduated high school. What? I went down there for one day to tour the campus. <laughs> uh, Jump yeah. in the pool and you're going to learn how to swim. But if you're a business professional, I think LinkedIn is where you need to be. All this shit is figure outable, right? I kind of hate to admit this because I feel like I'm going to get a lot of judgment for it. We're going to talk about some heavy shit, but I don't want it to be like Dr. Phil. We have to always be thinking about what's going to happen six months from now. You're a student of the entrepreneurship game forever, ever, 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 ever. Welcome back to Business and Bourbon, where we have real talk with real people. I am Ronnell Richards, the creator and your host. You know, video is all the rage these days, isn't it? Everyone's talking about video and business. Are you producing content? Should you produce content? How do you put out content? On and on and on and on, right? Everyone's jumping into the pool, or at least it seems that way. I think there's a lot of you that still are kind of sitting out there on the side of the pool wondering if you want to get in. So, you know, this week I invited Randall Blizzard, really interesting guy. And Randall runs a video production company. He's an entrepreneur that has a little bit different path and he's a little bit of a different dude. I think you guys are going to really dig him. I know that he's won the all time greatest business and bourbon name thus far. Like Randall Blizzard's a pretty cool name. Anyway, beyond the cool name, he's got a lot of wisdom. And so I invited him into the bar to to share a little bit of that with you guys, and I think you're gonna really enjoy it. So with that said, it's time to go. We had some mocktails on this particular episode, so if you wanna mix your mocktail, you wanna have a cocktail, you wanna have some coffee, whatever it is that you like to drink, pull that glass out, that cup, that mug, whatever you like to drink out of, pour a big old drink in there, sit down with us, and enjoy a little business and bourbon. Welcome back to Business and Bourbon, where we have real talk with real people all the time, all day, every day. I'm back here at King and Duke in beautiful Buckhead District here in Atlanta. I keep telling you guys to come through, and I appreciate the love because I know they're getting a lot of love. They're getting a lot of folks to come in and say, hey, listen, we've heard Ronnell's podcast, and so we want this drink or that drink or this meal or that meal. And so I'm very appreciative of that and that you guys show the love continue to do that because it's an amazing spot. It's fall now, so it's really a great time to sit out there on their little patio, have a nice little cocktail, and yeah, enjoy the evening. So if you're in Atlanta, make sure you get through. Now, with that said, it's time to get into a little business and bourbon. I have a guest today that I'm very excited to have on. This guy, super interesting, and he has like a football name and I love it. Like he looks like a super badass. I'm sure you guys are going to look him up after this, but he's about five inches shorter than he should be to have yeah. that football name. I got Randall Blizzard on. What's up, Randall? What's up? Five inches shorter than I should be. I yeah, appreciate man. it. That's my forever tagline now. <laughs> Brother, with that name, I need you to be about six, five and two forty. I know, man. I know, man. <laughs> I work with a hand I was dealt. 
Well, you're still badass, though. I appreciate it. I appreciate yeah. It. So welcome onto the podcast. I love the work that you're doing, man. Thank I you. mean, your production company is kicking ass. Besides, I'm not going to talk about you. I want tell the audience real quick what the hell it is that you do. All right, man. I guess I'll start with this. Maybe a little cliche, but I try to write down my purpose in life every day. Uh, or at least that's my intent. You know, some days or a lot of days I, I miss. But my purpose in life is to help businesses grow through creative content and conversation. And what does that mean exactly? Because it's kind of broad, right? Yeah. So creative content is obviously through my video production company and my content agency. We're producing a lot of videos for huge brands. Like uh, who? WebMD is one of them, Chick-fil-A, Haverty's, Bayer, Home Depot. A lot of the bigger players in Atlanta, like Delta, for instance, is one. And we have pretty good contracts with them. And then my content agency, which is fairly new, we've kind of seen this need for SMBs specifically who don't have like a whole in-house production team or even in-house like social media people. Yeah. You know, we're offering kind of a content agency that acts like your in-house production team. And essentially how we're able to do this is like getting enough contracts to where it's almost like a mutually funded content agency. Yeah. So yeah, it's like, you know, those companies that are making, they're doing good, making two to 10 mil a year or whatever. And they can spend, you know, 10, $15,000 a month on a service like ours that we come out, do a lot of video production. And out of that video production, we're creating a ton of micro content, even articles written for them. You kind of like can tailor made a package for your company yeah. um, what you need. You may have a content writer, but if you need help on the video side, we can do that. But anyway, so that's what I do. I've so been working my out. whole life. I usually, and I'm going to let the audience know, and I'm letting you know. <laughs> okay. I usually send everyone a form to fill out prior to the... Okay. Prior to I've the, not uh, seen that form. No, because I didn't send it to you. Here's why. You cross several important areas for my audience, and so I'm super stoked to ask you some questions okay. that I think that the audience is going to really love. First of all, you're an entrepreneur with mm -hmm. a great story. We're going to talk about that stuff. You're doing video and you're doing it at a high level and everyone's being told right now to do video. Yep. Every entrepreneur out there is being told, do video, do video, do video. And there's a lot of bad video out there. Yeah. So I'm going to take this in this some directions that I had already kind of, this is my show, damn it. Drive I'm it, baby. <laughs> Drive so, it. So, yeah, that's the kind of the direction we're going to go. We're going to talk about, we're going to have some fun. We're going to talk about some good stuff. Before we do, we do need to talk about what we're drinking today because okay. you placed the order. And so I just, you put something in front of me and I'm enjoying it. All right. That is the uh, zero proof, truer than true mocktail here. I mean, zero proof mocktail, yeah. same thing, right? And it's ginger beer. Yes. I, I guess. I don't, you know I don't remember all the ingredients. I don't know. No. It's pretty. Ginger, ginger beer. beer and some other stuff that seem too fancy. So you're saying that you don't work here part time as a waiter? I or don't. A I do not know this menu as well as you do. Uh, but as you were saying earlier, my wife and I, we actually came here because of you. Like, yeah. I shot a video here forever ago. But we were like, let's actually go sit down and have a drink and some dinner with friends. And it was all because I wanted to come check out the spot That's because it. of you. I what have you here to have or not to have is what it's called. And it's it's pretty fruity. A lot of pineapple, things of that nature. So to have and not to have. Pineapple, it's very pink. Yeah, it's like pineapple and uh some other fruity stuff. It's good. Well I would tell you, yeah. I mean it looks it's got red pepper or uh cayenne pepper in there too, I believe. It, it looks pretty dope. Some though. sort of pepper. So okay. Let's back up real quick. I okay. want to talk about your business and your story and so for you guys that haven't seen Randall stuff. Make sure you follow him. Check out what he does. They do amazing work. But I want to talk about how you got into that. 
I mean, because where did you went to USC film school? No, nope. you did. I did not go to you, school at all. You went to. I graduated high school. What? You, you didn't go to USC film school? I did not. Oh, okay. No. So let's talk about that, dude. Because no. there's a lot of people out there. Yep. And, and this is, I think, where your story is going to be so important to people is, is a lot of us in entrepreneurship, we didn't go that route. Yeah. Right? And it's not something that I necessarily recommend because we're mm. different animals. Yep. But a lot of us out there that are into entrepreneurs and have been successful entrepreneurs, that traditional school route wasn't the way that we went. Yeah. To, tell me about your, your journey. So I did go to film school to full sell. I went down there for one day to tour the campus uh, <laughs> and listen to some of the professors try to sell me on going into massive amounts of debt in order to get that two-year degree, which was a bachelor's degree for that school, by the way. I was like, what in the hell am I doing here? I can literally buy my own camera, produce my own film, shoot a shit ton of videos for the over $100,000 that I'm going to spend on going to this school. Uh-huh. And um, the only thing that kind of struck my interest was the connections and the networking that could have happened there. However, when they were walking me around the campus, I was seeing people laid out on benches sleeping because it was like so taxing. Like they were just working on their education so much. I'm like, this isn't networking. Like these people are freaking zombies right now because they're so worn out mm-hmm. trying to get a bachelor's degree in two years at like this private high-end school. Um, or it was like just a typical parents that had a shit ton of money. It's where the kid thought they wanted to go yeah. and they just partied the whole time. Uh-huh. So I was like, I'm done. I skipped film school, skipped business school, skipped all that. Started reading a lot of business books um, because I realized that my video production career was like it had begun way before that. Even in high school, I was doing video stuff, shooting films with my cousin and shooting films with my brother. My dad used to do films back in the day. But like by the time I came around, I'm the, the third child they weren't really doing that anymore. So I got to watch like the films that my dad and my uncles made together. And I just thought it was cool. Um, so they were like shooting like, like home the- movies, essentially oh, okay. like just like they were, my dad played like seven characters in one film. And that's one I always remember. Cause he'd like so cool. put a wig on for each different scene and like <laughs> change his voice a little bit. And it was just like being like four or five years old, watching your dad do all this is like, it's dope. Right. I'm like, this is my dad. Yeah. He's like an act like, being that young, I didn't know the difference between him and, like, Brad Pitt. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it was awesome. But anyway, that kind of faded out. My dad started working night shifts. I didn't really see him much besides, like, he was my baseball coach on the weekends. I decided that that's what I wanted to do. Like, my cousin was doing film work, and I was like, this is what we need to do. Yeah. So I started doing it, shooting a lot of stuff in middle school. When I got into high school, I started BSing about my age to everybody that I had worked with outside of high school. Like most kids in high school, they're like friends group and people they they rode with were in high school. Right? Yeah. It was like the football squad or the cheerleading squad or whatever. I lived 30 minutes south of Atlanta in Riverdale or Fettville, technically. And I had all kinds of friends in Atlanta, north of Atlanta, all around Atlanta that were just film people mm-hmm. that were way older than me, that were in college. And I'm like, I'm doing this stuff with them now. So you got around those people in film while you were still in high school. Yeah, yeah. We looked up like competitions, like there was like 48 hour film competitions, make a film, a short film in 48 hours. They give you certain criteria. So we would go to the screenings of that stuff. And I'm like, I'm making connections with these film people. I'm like doing networking before I even knew what networking was. Yeah. You know, like I had no idea. And even before that, like to bring it back to entrepreneurship and not necessarily just like a creator or a filmmaker, my mom or dad were not entrepreneurs, but my mom worked at this ribbon like wholesaler. She was like the only employee, did everything. 
and they used to get these truckloads of ribbon and I would show up. She was like, you want a summer job? And I'm like, you know, sixth grade in the time, maybe even fifth grade. And I'm like, sure, whatever. I want to make my own money. So they paid me five cents per ribbon roll. So I re-roll it. The ones that came up just completely off the row, screwed up. They paid me five cents per roll to re-roll them, put a pin in them, put them on the right shelf. And I did that, you know, for years. And then I started selling... I don't know if I should say this or not, but it's, uh, I guess I'll say it. Yeah, it's business and I guess man. I'll say it. In middle school, I was selling cutouts of Playboy magazine. <laughs> nice. Dead serious. Nice. Dead serious. So, so there's a rule on business and bourbon. When you think in your head, like, I don't know if I should be saying that. Yes. Yeah, say it. That, say that's it anyway. what I need you to say. Yeah, we crossed the line, right? I heard that in your last episode. It's like, let's cross all the lines. Yeah, so we're already over, dude. Yeah. So, so there was this kid that like, he would get the magazines, like stealing them from his grandfather or whatever. And he was like showing them to all these kids in the bathroom. And I'm like, obviously I looked, but I'm like sitting back. I'm like, wait, we're all in here in secrecy, like trying to like look at this one picture. And I pulled the kid. I'm like, how many magazines do you have? Because we could cut out each individual page and start selling them to <laughs> oh these kids. God. So that's what I did. It's super yeah. dirty. But I'm like, it's no different than like Gary V's baseball card story. It's just like, yes. I saw that there was a tension around this thing and I started selling that. And then I started doing video with my cousin and my brother. They were older than me. So, I, like, my brother was able to buy a professional camera, like, when I was still in middle school. Mm-hmm. But I got my hands on it started using it. And then I started actually working outside of high school and, like, on sets with other people. And the more I said my age, the more they were like, oh, uh, we can't even have you on this set. Because, so, you started like, lying. Yeah. They, because, like, I'm just so, like, I'm a minor, essentially. Mm-hmm. So, they couldn't even have me. So I started BSing my age. It was like 19 when I was actually like 15. And then it became like, oh, I'm just 24. And I've had a receding hairline since ninth grade. So it was easy to sell. Um, a little bit older. And then I had to like shave it as soon as I graduated. I was super self-conscious about it. <laughs> but yeah, that's a whole other story. But yeah, so I started doing video super early. And between ninth and 10th grade during the summer, I had a guy literally sell his farm for like $250,000 to produce this film that it was like a redneck comedy up in North Georgia. And he, we had connected somehow, and uh, he asked me to be the cinematographer on it. And I was like, yeah, when are you shooting? Like, I'm only, I'm too booked. I'm only available during these months. And, like, it was the summer months. And, like, booked meant, like, I was in <laughs> I mean, high it school. wasn't in school. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, anyway, I was, like, lying about my age just to keep working in the industry and, like, completely checked out of school. I was a straight-A student up until about eighth grade. And then in ninth grade... I knew exactly what I wanted to pursue in life. Not necessarily exactly what I wanted to do, but exactly what I wanted to pursue. And I just checked out of high school completely. Didn't do a single thing of homework. I said, this is schoolwork. It's going to be done at school. Just because you label it homework is BS to me. I was like, I got way better crap to do at home than your stupid monotonous test and all that shit. So what I wonder, Randall, is there are a lot of people out there that are creative like you. And like you're, you're creative, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, right? But, and what I find that creative struggle with is making that creativity a business. Yep. How do we go from being, okay, I create awesome stuff and turning that into something first that makes it money, which a lot of people find that transition yep. easier, right? Okay, now I'm, I'm selling this stuff <clears throat> that I can kind of create. Yep. But how do you take that next step from that to, okay, this is a legit business and I'm operating like a business. What was that like for you? For me, it was realizing that I could be a creative 
for my entire life, but that doesn't necessarily mean that my bills are going to be paid and there's going to be a roof above my head. Most times it means that it won't. That, that it won't. Yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a tough path. So I just knew that I had an eye. Like I didn't realize how much entrepreneurship shit that I was doing like at an early age, especially because my dad worked at UPS. He was like, you know, he was doing good, but corporate job. I didn't see yeah. him. He worked night shifts. My mom was just like an employee, you know, of this smaller family business, you know, and they just kind of played it safe. So I you, guess. you didn't have that, those entrepreneur Not examples in the house. Not at all. The only entrepreneur that like I knew in my family was my grandfather, which he died when I was super young before I even like knew what I wanted to do. But I realized that there was more benefit in learning like the business side of things than there was trying to go to a film school and being a better filmmaker or like looking up how to light a scene better. I'm like, I, I'm going to learn all this. So how did you learn? How did I learn? Yeah, the business side. Just reading books, listening to podcasts. I mean, in high school, I'd stumbled upon Dave Ramsey's podcast mm -hmm. uh, or his radio show, I guess, which taught me a lot about finances, not to go in debt or anything like that. And then like just listening, reading like good to great books like that and just tons of business books. Or there was like John Acuff, who was like uh, when to quit or how to quit or something like so that. So a lot of what you did was self-education. Right? Self-education. Yeah. Yeah. And while it's still doing like creative work in the creative industry, yeah. like there was a reason why when I was in high school in 10th grade, I was able to show up on set and have a better eye than people that were in their fourth year of college for the same reason. But yet they still didn't know how to monetize their eye, which their eye was less talented than mine. Yeah. So, yeah, I was like, I need to learn this business. Side and I think I that's so something. crucial, dude, because here in Atlanta, my mother's an actress. So, I, you know, I know a lot of people that are yeah. creatives and what they struggle the most with is the business side. They love doing what they do and they're super passionate about it, but they don't necessarily understand the business part of it and don't spend enough time educating themselves so they can have that. And if they do, so for the creatives that are out there, if you take that little bit of time, yeah, understand most of your competition isn't doing it. Yeah. Regardless of what your business is, one of the things that I always talk about is, hey, let's look at what the competition is doing. <laughs> let's know the landscape that we're playing and let's do what they're not doing. Yeah. If you're a creative, dude, they're in the business side. And it's pivoting, right? Because even when I was coming up in high school, like YouTube was not like a thing or like it was just becoming a thing. Like I graduated in 2009. I'm a young guy. So I'm confident in my age now. Right. But when I was graduating and going through high school, like YouTube was not kids weren't saying I want to be a YouTuber. Yeah. Right. That wasn't a thing. The way Instagram like models are and all that shit is now wasn't a thing. So being a creative or in the creative industry has been completely redefined by YouTube, Instagram, hell, even TikTok now. So I think that's a perfect segue okay. because now the barrier to being a creator is, do I have a phone, right? Yep. And so a lot of people in business, a lot of entrepreneurs are being told, hey, you got to create video. Yeah. You've got to get out there. You got to. So let's dig into that a little bit. First of all, when it comes to like platforms, do you have any opinions for our business professionals and entrepreneurs? Like what platforms should they be on in your opinion? If you're a business professional, LinkedIn, you need to be producing content for LinkedIn. And like, I'm almost to the point where I'm done posting on Instagram altogether, mainly because today, October 14th, 2019, the organic reach on LinkedIn is or on whatever day it is for you when you're uh, listening true. to this that's podcast. True. There you go. Whatever day. Don't date the podcast, right? Look at that. Amateur mistake. 
business and bourbon. Hey, business and bourbon listeners. Just want to take a brief moment to thank you for listening to our program. You know, we're fortunate to have a lot of great, great entrepreneurs on our program and on our live event. And I want to give you more access to those people for advice, for direction, and just to network with. So we've created a forum on our website, businessandbourbon.live. Again, businessandbourbon.live. Go ahead and log in there as a member. It's totally free, and it gives you access to all of our great entrepreneurs that you hear in the program and that are on our panels at our live events. So make sure you go to businessandbourbon.live, register for a free account, and you get access to all those great people in addition to some real cool content we're going to be putting out exclusively just for you. Again, thanks for being a listener. Enjoy the rest of the show. But anyway, like in today's time, Instagram's organic reach is declining drastically. For a business professional, I don't know if it's worth even, but like if you're putting content on there for like a brand page or like a theme page, great. But for your personal brand as a business professional, I'm not saying like you're a graffiti artist, right? That type of art is still huge on Instagram. But if you're a business professional, I think LinkedIn is where you need to be. And then also using things like Facebook groups and Facebook communities to have real genuine conversation, if not between your audience and you, just between your audience as a whole, you yeah. know, and you can jump in every now and then and stuff. So I think I, that's great advice, man. And I've seen some of the same trends. I mean, I participate in multiple platforms, yeah, but I personally feel that my LinkedIn, the depth of the conversations, the depth of the connections, followers, yeah. whatever, it's just so much, it's, there's just so much more to it. And I yeah. feel like one LinkedIn follower or connection is worth like a hundred Instagram, you know? So if you're looking to build your business, you're looking to build your brand, LinkedIn is still a point to where you're really building, I think, stronger relationships. I think Instagram, while we do participate in Instagram, um, it's more fun. It's escapism. (laughs) There we go. Like, and that's the key element about LinkedIn right now is it's not escapism. People that are on LinkedIn and scrolling through that feed, they're there for specific reasons, whether it's looking to connect with somebody in their industry, whether it's looking to find an expert that they can bring on their podcast. Like they're usually there with intention and networking is a huge part of that versus, you know, Instagram, it's a lot, you're like breaking through the noise of all the escapism. The same thing with YouTube, same thing with Facebook, same thing with Twitter. They're all forms of escapism. LinkedIn is like that one that people are there for usually business purposes and they're with an intention. So we've established that LinkedIn is the best platform for business professionals, entrepreneurs to get on by and large. Yes, there's some exceptions. We know that. So now what as my resident video production expert, what in your opinion, give me three of the biggest mistakes that people are making in doing their own video okay. on those platforms. Yeah, you hit me with the listicle question. That's what yes. I call these. The, the listicle. What is that? What the hell does that mean? So it's a video term actually like you see a lot of companies that do like Step one, da 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 da, yeah. or they're like, we'll bullet point stuff out in video form. Like Randall, how do you prefer? How do you prefer that question to be asked? I guess if I was knew it in advance and could come up with like a straight one, two, three, yeah. then like 
then that so question's fine. So give whatever you want. So I think one of the biggest issues... But make it three. I'm just, okay, I'll, I'm just I'll try. Kidding, dude. I'll try. <laughs> no, I got you. I got you. So like one of the biggest mistakes that I see business people making when it comes to using video strategy in their marketing, and it kind of goes back to what you said earlier about everyone is saying, you need video, you need video, you need video, to the point now to where it's beating a dead horse, it falls on deaf ears, right? Like everyone knows it. It doesn't need to be said anymore that you need video. And as you said, you got the iPhone 10 there. I got the new 11 Pro and the cameras in this are incredible. They're insane. You have so much capability in uh, devices in your pocket to make a video for yourself or for your company. So I don't think anyone needs to be told that you need video. Everyone knows it. The question is, why aren't you doing video already? And then the conversation gets real because most people are like, oh, you need video. Like, yeah, I know, I know, but they're still like trying to figure it out or they don't know how to edit or anything like that. You don't even have to edit. Just like 60 second, one minute video clip over and over and over until you don't stumble or whatever. Like it's easy to implement video into your marketing strategy today. The question is, why aren't you doing it already? And then you open up the door where, are you self-conscious about how you look on camera? Do you have a stuttering problem that like all things that I had, like I had a receding hairline in ninth grade that led me to like be self-conscious about being on video for so long. Right. There's this movie called Harold. Have you seen it? I have not. I've not. Do I look like a guy from it? No, you don't. But he had a receding hairline at like 10. Yeah. And so, (laughs) and it's, it's a comedy and it's amazing. You got to check it out. Anyway, you're I'll check it out. Harold. Yeah. yeah. I'll check it out. (laughs) But it's like things like that. And like, do you stutter? Or like, you have to figure out why you're not producing video for your business. It's so incredibly easy in today's market. I run a video production company. I have companies pay me thousands and thousands of dollars to produce basic videos for their brands. I would tell them, you don't need to be spending this much money. But, you know, there's like certain elements to the creative and to video that it's worth them spending that much. And they're too busy doing other things. But if you're a startup, use your phone, create a video. Why aren't you doing it right now? I can't ask that question enough. So for me, one of the challenges, not a challenge, just something I learned along the, my journey of making video, which now I've made a whole lot of videos, is lighting. I didn't understand. And so it's funny, like even when I'm with my family, (laughs) because I want to take a picture, I got to make sure the lighting is right. Make sure the light is coming towards me and not behind me. Because that's something that's important. That's something that I learned. Yeah. I also... Sound. Sound. Sound is huge. Sound, man. What do you recommend like for getting good sound? Like, Are the phones good enough? So I kind of look at this at a different approach. The phones are good enough. It's all about leveling up when you can level up. The last thing I'm going to say is that you shouldn't start implementing these strategies into your marketing because you don't have professional mics or because you only have a phone, blah, blah, blah. You need to start and then that way you're just putting content out there because content is king these days. And then when you have the ability, you make extra money, you close that one deal because you started introducing video, then get a mic, get a professional mic, get a better camera or whatever, like level up when you can. But when it comes to starting out, I just don't think it should be a focus. That It's crippling to people. People get so, they're worried about, do I have the right mixer? Do I have the right microphone? What's everybody else is using? And these people are spending hours researching all this shit when you could have made four videos by that point that could have led to your next deal that could have led to your next closing and then from that cost you're able to level up much quicker versus being stagnant trying to research it all in advance thank you good answer hey next question though 
I think it applies to a lot of folks out there that are making content online. Captions or no captions? Captions. Do you have an opinion? Yeah, captions. Yeah, I mean, the statistics on the amount of people that, I don't have the number off the top of my head, but I mean, it's up there. It's like 40% plus, if I remember correctly, of people that watch videos with no sound on. So much so that even LinkedIn is allowing you to upload the caption file so that way if it dictates that someone's watching it without the sound on, well, it has the captions up there. And as soon as they turn the sound on, the captions disappear, right? So like LinkedIn's putting a huge focus on that and you, you can do it that way or you can like burn the captions into the video and have them on the video all the time. I think if you're on a platform like LinkedIn that allows you to upload the caption file separately from the video, then don't bake it into the video because then people are getting the best viewing experience for if they have sound on or if they don't. Cool. Because, yeah, that's something that's, I don't know that it's up for debate, not really debate, but just it takes more work, right? It takes more work to get captions in there. So I think that that's something that a lot of people are wondering, okay, does it, is it worth it? It doesn't, Should though. I- T- Timmy, T-E-M-I, T-E-M-I is a uh, website. They charge 10 cents a minute Okay. in order for you to get captions. Are they so, pretty accurate? I mean, it's AI. Like, it's all you know, computer generated. So it's not like a human sitting there listening to you stumble over one word. So yeah, you may have to read through it and like adjust a word or two here and there, but you're talking about hours of work being taken out of your hands. You said who? T-E-M-I? T-E-M-I. So, um, yeah, and they're not paying us. So since they're they're not, not. since they're not paying us, let's go ahead and plug a couple of other companies to do that too. Rev, R-E-V, they do that. And I hear they do a pretty good job. Rev's good. They're expensive. They're a dollar a minute. Yeah. I haven't used them yet, but I hear they're pretty good. Rev has a lot of marketing dollars behind them, too. That is true. Yeah. Zubtitle, too. Let me go ahead and shout out Zubtitle and Baird. That's a pretty good product, too. So I personally use that. Even and Fiverr. Oh, getting someone on Fiverr? Fiverr, yeah. You can type in subtitles and captioning on Fiverr, and you'll find somebody that's willing to do it for a dollar a minute or like $10 for a whatever minute video. Yeah, and they're just plugging it into subtitle. or <laughs> Well, like find somebody that is willing to like get a video file and actually put it on there for you. Yeah. So you don't even have to go through that. But anyway, there's options. But it all goes back to like, don't let any of this overwhelm you and detour you from starting to introduce video into your marketing. Like all this shit is figure outable, right? Like you can figure out all of this stuff. But starting is everyone's main problem. And that's why I say video and introduce video is so easy right now. Why aren't you doing it already? Isn't that the truth about everything, though, right? Yeah, it's like yeah. we, we overthink it and we think overthink it to the point to where we don't actually take the action. Yep. And this... I do that all the time. To your point, Randall, this is just like most things. Jump in the pool. <laughs> jump yeah. in the pool and you're going to learn how to swim. Yep. Right? It'll take some time and you're going to take some lumps. And on this video thing, just putting it out there. Some of you guys are going to make some videos coming on this. You're going to feel really energized. I'm like, you know what? Yeah, hell yeah. I'm going to go do this. Yep. And you're going to get some negative feedback. Don't worry about that shit. Keep it moving. Learn from it. I get negative feedback to this day. And See, I've made thousands of videos. Yeah. And like, sorry to interrupt, but like, how do you define negative feedback, right? If you think someone's saying like, oh, your audio quality sucks. If you take that to heart you've lost way like it doesn't matter if you put up 500 videos in like a year right like if you going into it if you know you're going to hear that feedback and like it's going to personally hurt you then you've lost the game so you know Reynolds, here's how i look at those sorts of things 
it's all a win. Yeah. It's all it's all it's a all success. Feedback. If anyone no, because if anyone took the time to actually say, hey, look, uh, Randall, in that video, your lighting's kind of bad, or or your sound's kind of bad. Guess what they did? They watched the video. Yeah, <laughs> they watched yeah. the video. That's a win. And anyone that feels that sort of emotional connection or whatever they want to they want to type something i encourage i love that yeah. great bring it yeah. you know because that tells me that one i moved the meter which is what i'm trying to do anyway yep. and thank you for watching my shitty video and letting your whole network have access to it i've not been on twitter in years oh, my camera almost fell but that's okay i got insurance on it just like now so i could have set my cell phone over here where it would have been a much less expensive fall Right, if like my camera actually did fall. So, so guys, as he, you know, Randall is the video production guru and the dude on that. So, yes, he has brought some very impressive looking equipment for our non watching audience that is like super impressive. And I almost just kicked it over and had to pay him probably 10, 15 grand. So, <laughs> yeah, that one's about 10 Jesus. with the lens. But, uh, Lost track of where we were now. <laughs> you, well, here's where we were. I was breaking your camera. <laughs> That's where we were. That's where we were. So let's bring it back to some fun real quick. Yeah, let's Because you know I'm a music guy. Yep. Right? And you're a music guy. Mm -hmm. What are the cool kids listening to? What should? What do you listen to when you pull up out of here? What's on your, your iTunes, your Spotify? What do you listen to? 90% of the time, it's Mac Miller. Uh, uh, I mean, he's just my all-time favorite artist. Hated him at first. I thought he was just like a white frat boy doing like shitty music, yeah, uh, hype music. But then like his musical ability just the like really shined through in the yeah. later years. And like his last album, Swimming, being all about like depression and mental illness and like how it's just like treading water. Just the deep tones and themes in that album were just incredible if you actually do your research on the album. Anyway, so Mac Miller is 90% of the time. What kids are listening to these days, I have no No, you. Idea. You're the cool kid. I said, what are the cool kids? That's the cool you. Kid. Uh, so Mac, Mac Miller's what the cool kids listen to. Well, Mac Miller's what I'm listening to. I've been listening to this guy. He's been around for quite some time, but it's, it's James Vincent McMorrow. That's a new one for me. He's, yeah, he's not hip-hop or anything. Okay. He's more like, uh, not necessarily bluegrass, but more like soulful, mm -hmm. like uh, slow tones. I don't know if I'm sitting around the porch at night or like the campfire or whatever, relaxing, like that's what I'll put on. It's just soothing. Yeah. I mean, I just nice. kind of go with what I'm in the mood for, man. More often than not, it's like podcast or something like that uh -huh. in the car. If I'm like prepping gear or something like that, I can't focus on podcasts. So you're big. We've already established you're kind of big into your own self-development and, and learning I mean, and growth. And that's we have, how, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. But it's something that we take for granted. Yep. Like, you know, we just living our lives and just, really reactively so you take more of a proactive approach to your personal development so let's talk about podcasts real quick can i stop you real quick yeah because like i just remember what i was going to say before the camera thing <laughs> bring it on yeah uh, about because you're talking about development and stuff like that talking about the feedback it's like you have to categorize your feedback that you get just like you do like your life as an entrepreneur and business owner like if you're not structuring your hours and your to-do lists and your priority lists and your days if you don't have structure around that mm -hmm. then we all know you're not really going anywhere you may be moving but you're not going anywhere it's when you implement that structure that you start moving in the direction and can pivot from there same thing with feedback like if someone just says some crazy ridiculous comment let's just say it's a little racist 
you know just to check that out, delete it, be done with it, not pay attention to it whatsoever. And somebody may say something about the audio quality, and you're like, okay, I know I'm working on it. I'm going to level up when I get there. Categorize that however you can, but create some sort of categorizing or structuring around when you get feedback in the comments or that people tell you, you can place it in these categories to know if it demands your attention or not and how much of your attention it actually does demand. Mm -hmm. That's what I was going to say about that. Thank you. (laughs) And I think that, and again, you've recommended that people focus their energy on LinkedIn, which I would second. And by and large, LinkedIn is a pretty safe place for there's a lot of fluff ne- and negative, comments. negative. Yes, there is. Yeah. What I found is that if someone has something negative to say, typically they're going to do it in a direct message. Nonetheless, you still take that same sort of approach that you're talking about and categorize, hey, look, where's this really coming from? And then for me, if you're doing a lot of content, you don't think about stuff a lot, right? Yeah. I mean, whether it's praise or it's someone that's you know coming down on you, don't think your shit doesn't stink for one and don't think that you're that bad you know you're somewhere in the middle and keep it moving learn from what you can learn from and stay focused on the outcome of what it is you're ultimately trying to do on the platform what are you trying to do you're trying to grow your business try to so any feedback that's going to help you to achieve the ultimate outcome that you want that's awesome Mm -hmm. if it doesn't keep it moving yep keep it moving all right. So you're going to ask what I'm listening to podcast-wise. Yes. Kind of the basic answer is like uh, Joe Rogan, I love. Like a lot of the podcasts I'm listening to now, because I listen to so many business-focused podcasts, that it kind of was like information and education overload. Yeah. I mean, like it kind of was leading to the inaction. So I'm like, now it's kind of like just what I do for fun. Like I'll brush my teeth, taking a shower, whatever. I'll put on like Joe Rogan's podcast if I'm interested in the guest. And then, like, the H3 podcast is interesting. And I, I kind of hate to admit this because I feel like I'm going to get a lot of judgment for it. But I've been listening to Logan Paul's podcast. Have you really? Yeah. Which is, like, there's still, like, super immature shit that they do on there, right? That I'm like, okay, whatever. But for the most part, it's, like, a more fun version of Joe Rogan's podcast. Like, Joe Rogan's, for the most part, is, like, very kind of serious, same tone. This is like up and down all over the place. I, there's been a couple of times where I'm like literally laughing out loud. Mm-hmm. But then they're talking about like one of the biggest world issues, like cop violence or whatever. And like they have guests on there. Like they had the real that's Jordan the guy you, wanna, on there. you want to yeah. listen to. For, that's the guy we want to talk about the big issues of the world. And, uh, no, well, well, so he had it's not just him. He has yeah. like other guests on there that are other hosts, I should say. He's kind of on there just for his name. Uh, he has two other guys uh, on there that like give more substance and meat to it but that dude's smart man a lot of people think that he's just this immature youtube famous youtube for all the wrong reasons yeah well he's made money off of that image made a lot of money (laughs) but like listening to him so far i'm like okay he's like really understands his reach now yeah it's like trying to pivot away from being that like headline guy and he's smart when it comes to business stuff. So right now, when it comes, because I, I understand kind of where you're at with podcasts. I don't listen to a lot of podcasts. Maybe maybe I'm overstepping a little bit. You'll let me know. When it comes to podcasts right now, I listen a little more for entertainment. Yep. That's why when we do business and bourbon, like we're gonna like I tell people, we're gonna talk about some heavy shit. But I don't want it to be like Doctor Phil. It's just a couple of folks sitting here chilling, having a good conversation. Yeah. So a lot of my um, and. Brian in the background over there. But that's why, if y'all can hear Brian, Brian is uh, one of the managers here. Hey, Brian. All right, anyway. Um, 
that's what I want you guys to hear when you listen to Business Suburban. I want you to hear a real conversation between two people, right? And we're not holding anything back. You're hearing the plates and things crashing in the background. You're hearing Brian, the kitchen manager, <laughs> whatever it is. Business and bourbon. Hey guys, just want to hop in really quick and give a shout out to one of our corporate partners, bombbomb.com. I personally use this service on a daily basis. I'm a big fan of video and I send a lot of videos out there, um, not just on my online content, but we use video for prospecting in my companies as well. So if you're a small business, if you're a seller and you're not using video, boy, you need to level up. And a good way to do that is to use bombbomb.com. We actually have a special offer for our listeners. If you go to bombbomb.com forward slash business and bourbon, you can get our special offer. Again, that's bombbomb.com forward slash business and bourbon. Enjoy the rest of the show. Anyway, back to my original point, which I walked way far away from. No, it's good. I'm here for the journey. I like the scenic route sometimes. Bring me back. That's what you need to do, Randall. When I start drifting segue just yeah reel me back hey in. man I'm, i right. can drift too that's I'm how real, i think i'm real i know huh yeah. all right i'm done with that back to you all right so you're at this point in your business your business has been around for how long now so we became an official llc in 2012 mm-hmm. but prior to like me actually becoming 18 like my dad opened blizzard enterprises which i had no idea the gaming company then yeah that's a good way to get sued exactly so like he opened that as like uh DBA or whatever in his name, just because like I wasn't old enough or whatever. But yeah, so official LLC back in 2012, but we were doing work way before that. So Okay. I asked that because now, I mean, we're seven years into that journey, which congratulations. Yeah. That's awesome. It's been a crazy journey. I can imagine. So what's next in terms of your development? Because you're kind of at this midpoint where, okay, man, we've had some success. What happens that I see with a lot of companies is they start to have that success and they're feeling good and feeling good about themselves and they kind of take their eye off the ball a little bit. hundred percent. Yeah. I so was there. Tell me about it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, became an LLC in 2012 and up until January 1, 2014, I had to maintain my job because I'm a type one diabetic. I had to have health insurance. And if I tried to leave my job that had health insurance, then I wouldn't get covered anywhere. I would get denied coverage Mm -hmm. until the Affordable Care Act passed or Obamacare passed. And then I was able to get my own health insurance. As soon as that passed January 1st, 2014, I pieced out, got my own insurance, paid a ridiculous amount of money for it. I still pay a ridiculous amount of money for it, but it's all worth it because I'm a student of entrepreneurship and like, this is where I want to be, like through the ups and downs and all that. So 2012, 2014 was kind of like picking up jobs when I could, taking off work when I could. We were making like hobby money, I guess. Like our hobby became like a hobby with benefits, Yeah, <laughs> I guess. So then we, in 2014, I left my job and I worked twice in that whole year, made $350 on each job. So that year I made 700 bucks nice. uh, in my company. After that, I just kept kind of grinding. You retired um, after that. I know, right? I was, <laughs> I was frustrated for sure, but I had saved money. Like I said, I listened to Dave Ramsey. I had money set aside. Like I was okay. I wasn't like struggling by any means. And I lived at home or I lived with my girlfriend's parents then. 
and all that. So like I didn't have much money going out besides health insurance. Anyway, so 2015, I got connected with uh, Chick-fil-A through an advertising agency that led to a very consistent work. And then like I was doing interviews with WebMD. I kept grinding there. Those interviews eventually became full time productions, like whole productions, made a lot of money there. That led to like other relationships with advertising agencies and stuff like that to the point to where, I, yeah, we were doing okay. And I was like, oh yeah, we're good. And like, I stopped like making relationships that eventually led to kind of a dark hole for me personally, where I like really started appreciating self-development because I got to the point where I was stagnant in my career and I didn't feel like I was providing as much as I should, even though I was providing pretty much 100% of the income that took care of all my employees. Like it was all on me. And when I say all my employees, it's like three people. But I got stagnant. And then from there, we started declining in sales. And from there, I went into really a depression for like six months. Like it was bad. And out of that, I was like, you know what? I'm just got to be okay with not making as much money as I think that we deserve or that I think that our value is. Because like, it's just why creatives have so much trouble understanding business. They're creatives and they think that their art or their whatever creative shit that they do, that it's valuable. Yeah. It's great that it's valuable to you. You have to have that element. It has to mean something to you. But until somebody says, here's a check for that, it's not valued at shit. There it is. And I kind of had lost sight of that. I was like, oh, yeah, we're good. Like, we got all these companies paying us a ton of money. Like, we're good. Well, those companies don't stick around. Like, they adjust, they pivot. There's someone else out there hustling to get their connection that is like 10K cheaper than us. And like, you know, so I kind of went through that depressed state. And there's a lot of personal reasons in that, too. To get to the point of like, all right, I didn't need to focus on myself. I need to do what makes me happy. I need to get back to like my purpose and why I'm actually here. And as long as I focus on that, I know that the bills will be paid. And I just got to stop focusing on trying to pay the bills, if Mm -hmm. that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that is something that a lot of people are challenged with. Yeah. Not just as entrepreneurs, just period. Business professionals, right? We reach a certain level. In fact, this is something that I saw in the last economic downturn, right? 2007, 8. Yeah, yeah. like rampant, right? You had all of these people that were making tons of money beforehand. And then... (laughs) making their six figures, six and whatever it was. And then we went through this period of where, okay, they could get employment, but it was underemployment, right? And so you had this huge issue with depression and mental health and all that sort of thing. And let me let you guys in on a little secret. That shit's going to happen again. It's happening. So what do we do to prepare for it? Because this is what we also like to talk about in business where we like to talk about our all the other parts of success and what success means. Yeah. I think your background of, first of all, being very conservative fiscally, right? Yeah. And learning those lessons from Dave Ramsey absolutely really help, help you in that period of time. And, yeah. And they're going to help people that are out there. But I think it's hurt my business, to be honest. Mm, tell me about it. Because like, personally, great. Like, save money, save money, save money, invest in safe investments and all that stuff. And then like, that made me like not put as much money as I probably should in, have into the business. Into the business, because mm-hmm. um, I was all worried about like the Dave Ramsey method, and I'm like, yeah, it's a good method personally, but for businesses, I don't know if it's the best. Yeah, you don't want to go bankrupt. I, like you want to have money set aside, but I'm like, to be as young as I was, especially in 2012, like every dime that I made should have been reinvesting into something. Well, the thing about business is, you know, if you you've heard of the old adage, if you're not growing, you're dying. 
we have to always be thinking about what's going to happen six months from now. Yep. We got to be ahead of the game. You have to stay aggressive. And every time I sit down and I talk to an entrepreneur or successful business person and they tell me about how great their company is and how well positioned they are for the future because they've got something that no one else is doing or whatever, understand this. They are nipping at your heels. (laughs) They are nipping at your heels. You are not that far ahead or as far ahead as you think you are. And the great entrepreneurs, they are paranoid. They're paranoid. Yeah. Period. You look at um, who's a good example out there. You oh, Zuckerberg's a great example. That guy's a, he's paranoid. Th- this is the most successful guy right now in the country. Almost. You look oh, at the him leaked or, audio or, or, hasn't helped. The what? Oh, the leaked audio. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's always going to be yeah. something, right? Yeah. But the point being is that if you're an entrepreneur, I don't care which level you're in, we can all get got for lack of a better term. You have to be thinking about what's going to happen six months from now. What's going to happen a year from now? And stay aggressive and invest back into your business. Yeah. Or have an out. Or, or if some of you, if you don't want to invest, back, cool. Have your uh, plan for how you're going to how you're going to exit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe that's your plan. But if your plan is to, hey, look, I want to be around for a while, you better be aggressive. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I was like making good money, like 2016, 15, 16, 17. Like I was making really good money, and I was taking a lot of that money out to put it in my own account and start saving for like my retirement or like the Dave Ramsey thing. And like, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like we have tons of investments into our, our business, like our office space, our truck, all of our gear, our, we have one camera that costs $30,000 for just the body, like no lens, no batteries, nothing. So like, you know, we're like playing in that league. So we have reinvested, but I think if I would have done it early on, like in my early stages of my business, then I would be like way further ahead than what I am now. So it's been slow growth because of that, because I refuse to take out debt. I refuse to take out a loan to buy anything. So it's been a lot of slow growth, but like it's given me the ability, for instance, like I started getting impatient recently and then I had a, a job for a nonprofit down in El Salvador and we went down there and our job was to film these 64 families that have been displaced from their homes because a coffee farmer came in and literally bulldozed their homes without them knowing because they were like, oh, you don't have the right paperwork to this land. So these families that have been there for generations had their homes just completely bulldozed and knocked over, could barely even get anything out of their house. And then we're filming them in the like tin and tarp huts that they've set up on the streets. And they're living like eight people deep in in, like a, a hut that's literally about as big as this booth. Um, well, maybe like two sizes of this booth. It's small. It's tiny. Some people are just sleeping on the sidewalks and stuff. It made me incredibly grateful for the fact that my last few months have been way slower intentionally. I've stopped posting a lot of stuff. I, I've like gone way the opposite direction in self-development, figuring out exactly where my arrow is and like where I want to go, the path that I want to go down. And I'm like, I have the opportunity to do that, to like pause and like not be so focused on like bringing in all the money, like or closing every sale that comes our way and all that stuff. I have the opportunity to stop. I go down to El Salvador and I film these people that they is a family of like six people that have a tamale business and they're cooking. Their son is on a motorcycle driving and weaving in and out of traffic to go sell tamales to certain like markets and stuff. Coming back, picks up more, goes right back out. And it's a sun up to sundown hustle and grind for them to make 20, 30 bucks a day mm-hmm. to feed their entire family living in these huts that when it rains, everything that they own is soaking wet. So they can't even have stuff to help them better their lives. 
and I see this, and I'm like, why am I getting impatient? I need to realize that my stopping and me slowing down is so intentional, but it's almost subconscious, but it's very intentional for where I am right now to, to course correct and kind of go where I know that I want to go personally, and then my businesses will follow suit, um, which is why I've been writing down my purpose every day, you know, it's like just to stay on track. But it's all a perspective thing. I kind of went on a tangent there, but... <laughs> no, I love it, man. It's and all that's, perspective. That's what we want to do. We want to share experience and share the wisdom that comes from that. So as we get ready to wrap it up, I always like to talk about what sort of nugget we can leave out there because, you know, a large part of our audience is millennial like you. And then yeah. there's another part that's coming up is Gen Z, man. They're listening and they're yeah. watching and they're looking to us for guidance. Yep. Like what do I do when I get to the next step? So if we were to go back to when you started and you made a lot of good decisions, right? But let's go back to kind of when you started your business and you started that journey, anything you'd do different or any advice you'd give to yourself to be like, Oh, you know what? Do this, dude, focus on that. Not this. It's almost advice that I was thinking about on the way here of like for myself, especially the way that the creative industry and content and everything has changed from when I started like in 2006, seven, eight until now it's massively different. And I think the advice that I would give my young self is that you're an entrepreneur in training forever. You're a student of the entrepreneurship game forever. Like as soon as you decide to be an entrepreneur, that's who you are. Know that that doesn't mean that you're going to discover answers along the way. Because what works for my business, we could have the same exact business. What works for me may not work for you. There's so many stipulations, so many contingencies. There's so many variables to a business and their success. And luck is a huge part of it, like being in the right place at the right time. Like there's probably somebody that made every decision except one that Bill Gates made and their life went a completely different direction, right? And when you put things in that perspective, and you talk about the way the entrepreneurship landscape is today. It's a lot of big speakers like Gary V's, the Grant Cardons and all that. It's easy to listen to somebody and be like, oh, yeah, that sounds good. But are they even really putting it into the action that they're communicating, like the way that they're communicating it? And, and then all the e-courses and, and the books and all the shit that are for sale and all the consultants and all that. People are mistaking an entrepreneur for having the answers. That's not the case. Entrepreneurs have their perspective and they have their journey, and it's up to you to take what makes sense for you out of those perspectives and those journey. And I think that is what I would have told myself when I first started out is like, you're a student of this game. You're an entrepreneur in training forever to the day you die. Mm -hmm. And uh, once you look at it that way, you realize you don't have to have answers all the time for everything. And you don't have to follow people who seemingly have all the answers. I love that, man. I love that. When you go back to tell yourself that, Tell uh, younger Ronnell that too. Uh, okay, I got you. I got you. <laughs> Entrepreneurship never ends. That learning cycle never ends. We're constant. Man, as a guy who's got a few more years on you in that game, boy, you're right on point. Thank you, man. You are right on point. I learned things now almost two decades into entrepreneurship. I'm learning stuff today that, dude, I didn't know. And, and when I was at the top, and we all go through these periods, we're at the top of our mountains right? But what we learned is that that's just one mountain. So you, yeah. you reach that little peak like you did in 16 and you're feeling all great about yourself and then you get a new lesson. Yep. And now you're moving back up another mountain. So man, I love it. Randall, fantastic knowledge that you dropped, bro. Really appreciate you. With that said, you know what time it is. Randall's my guest today. So Randall, you ready? I'm ready, man. 
On three, one, two, three. We out. Thank you for listening to the Business and Bourbon Podcast. Please subscribe. And if you like us, give us a five-star rating. If you don't, uh, have another drink. Maybe you'll feel a little bit differently. If you'd like to check out our videos, you can go to businessandbourbon.tv. That's businessandbourbon.tv. In addition to that, we're currently touring the United States with our Business and Bourbon Live show. It's a fantastic show where we do a whiskey education and we do some Q&A and it's a great networking event as well. So if you'd like to attend one of our Business and Bourbon Live events, you can go to businessandbourbon.live. Again, that's businessandbourbon.live. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you the next time.